Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hey, Happy New Year, everyone. This is Tom Salemi. Welcome back to the OIS Podcast. Hard to believe this is our fifth calendar year that we'll be doing the podcast. We started in 2014. Here we are, 2018. We've done one almost every week over that time, and uh, it's been a real treat for me. Thank you to uh, everyone who has uh, participated in the podcast, has been a guest in the podcast, and of course, thank you to our podcast listeners for uh, for being part of the story. It's it, This is a really neat way to, to remain in touch with the ophthalmology community, and I hope it's uh, I hope it's delivering insights and interesting information to you, our listeners. So, Thank you for coming along for the ride. Our uh, our guest today is Jeff Now. Jeff is the CEO of a company called Oyster Point Pharmaceuticals. It's a, it's an early stage company focused on developing treatments for ocular surface disease. And while that is a is a fascinating space, what I found additionally interesting was uh, or is Oyster Point's connection to Oculeve, which of course uh, was the startup that developed the now True Tear device was acquired by Allegan and is uh, making an impression in, in dry eye treatment. Uh, Oyster's chairman is Michael Ackerman, who was the CEO and uh, one of the founders of uh, Oculeve. Its investors include NEA and Versant, both of which were investors in Oculeve. And, of course, it's going after a very similar space. So uh, so I talked to, to Jeff about that connection, about Oyster Point's plans and uh, – also, uh, where it sees opportunity, but I also had a great chance to talk with Jeff about um, his role prior to, to taking over at Oyster Point. He was a vice president of clinical and medical affairs at Optotech, and prior to that, he was a medical science director at Genentech, where he worked on Lucentis. So he's had a lot of uh, great experience in uh, working with big drugs and big trials, including some that uh, that didn't work out as hoped. And we talked a bit about how companies, how people. Uh, really manage the uh, the the outcome of a trial that doesn't end well. We also talked about uh, being a first-time CEO, what lessons he's learned, and what lessons he's bringing into Oyster Point. So uh, Jeff was uh, very open and uh, really enjoyed this conversation with him, and I hope you will as well. So now let's hear from Jeff now, the CEO of Oyster Point Pharmaceuticals. Well, Jeff, now welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me here, Tom. Appreciate it. You've got to, it's it's nice to have a, a new entry into the uh, into the ophthalmology field and, and one in a, a, as as hot an area as dry eye or ocular surface. Uh, so, Oyster Point is your company, and I wanted to uh, first just to find out a bit about yourself. You've got you've had some success in uh, in developing drugs in ophthalmology. This is your first stint as CEO. I'd like to kind of understand that path. Uh, what were you doing prior to joining uh, Oyster Point? Yeah, so immediately joining, prior to joining Oyster Point, uh, I was with Optotech. Uh, I was with Optotech for about four years. So I came on board uh, that company just prior to the company going public and um, just prior to us entering into phase three clinical development. Mm-hmm. Um, spent about four years there. Uh, and we ran a really good uh, development program, and uh, unfortunately, as things go in pharma, sometimes uh, the drug dish didn't work out. And so 
Uh, back in December of this year, uh, we had phase three pivotal data come out and sure. uh, a few trials have read out since then. Um, and I think we all know the story and, and how that went there. How did that, what was that experience like? I feel like the dopey sports writer in the locker room asking, gee, you know, what did it feel like to lose that big game? But it is, this is biopharma. This is uh, the sort of the nature of the beast. But uh, what is that experience like when those final results come out and you see things that didn't go out, go the way you were hoping they'd go? Yeah. So, you know, I've been in primarily startup uh, pharmaceutical or medical device companies for my entire career. And I would say almost almost every one of them, we've gone to phase three development um, and had pivotal trials read out. I would say this one um, in particular probably hurt the most, um, I, I would say, from from a number of different angles. One is, you know, I think everybody, um, including myself, really thought that there was some promise here for patients with age-related macular degeneration. And so, you know, the the, the biggest uh, downfall with the, the data not turning out the way uh, that it did was that we just didn't have another drug out there for patients. And so uh, I think there was a lot of hope behind the PDGF class. Um, and so, uh, you, know, you know, that was disappointing. Uh, from a company side, you know, it's 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 just devastating. I mean, we had a fair number of employees. I think we are at the time of the data readout, we were we were above 150 employees. Um, and I think when I came in, uh, we hadn't even peaked at 20. So we had grown exponentially uh, over those four years. And so, um, you know, inside, lots of disappointment. Of course, I think this one of all the products that I've been involved with. Uh, probably blindsided us the most because we did really think that it it had some legs and and it was going to be something that was going to be on the market. Sure. I can understand that. And and prior to that, you were with uh, Genentech and and helped develop uh, Lucentis. Uh, That experience uh, obviously went better. (laughs) What was that like? Yeah, no, I mean, I came on to, so I started uh, my career sort of pre-Lucentis in the AMD space, uh, lived through the Lucentis launch, um, and had the fortunate enough experience to ultimately join the Lucentis team. And so, you know, that experience to me was, was just fantastic for a number of different reasons. I mean, number one, the drug is, is just a fantastic drug. I I would say it's gotta be up there in one of the top three, um, medical breakthroughs of the last century. I mean, it's just a great drug, um, works at just about everything that you, uh, you throw it at. And then from the standpoint of the people, uh, culture, and the company, um, you know, I always tell people it's, it's kind of like being at Disneyland. It's, you have, from, for a drug developer and somebody that's worked in bringing drugs through phase one, three development, you know, you have a, sort of everything you, you want at your fingertips there. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the, science, the scientists in the background that you can leverage and, and you know, walk across campus uh, go over to another building, talk about doing some additional cellular work or animal work. You got great teams of people that are really passionate about uh, what's a really great drug and had the fortunate opportunity to be there while um, uh, the trials for diabetic macular edema were going on, mm-hmm. um, was able to be a part of that launch. Um, and then, and then really uh, also was able to push for um, that diabetic retinopathy indication um, while we were in there, that subsequently got that, that subsequently Genentech was able to get after I left the company. 
But do you do you feel that you're a, a startup person? You, but prior to that, you, you had experience at Genera and Acuity and NeoVista. Are you a uh, a startup type is that uh, where you feel comfortable, or, or do you do you sort of miss those uh, those comforts of Genentech from time to time when you're at when you're number twenty at uh, Optotech and, and such? Yeah, well, I think um, I think my uh, experience and, and my perception of what we would call, I guess, big pharma is probably a little skewed because I I don't know that I would throw Genentech uh, into that mix. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very unique environment. Uh, very much a Silicon Valley uh, type experience with the excitement and the innovation. And so I I wouldn't put that in the category of many of the other pharma companies that are uh, at the same size. So I'm not sure that I really got a good feel for whether I would like big company life because uh, that was very unique. But I I do think at my core, um, I like building uh, companies and teams uh, I like coming in early uh, and being involved on the science and being able to translate that science into what we're going to do in the clinic. Um, and, and just like uh, taking drugs uh, and or devices, you know, through that process. Interesting. So let's, uh, let's uh, understand how this uh, path brought you to uh, Oyster Point. How did this come together? Sure. Well, um, as you can imagine, uh, post-Optotech, uh, all of us were starting to look at uh, what the next opportunity may bring. Um, there was some discussion you know, within Optitech as to a core group um, staying there and uh, potentially uh, you know, resurrecting the company in a, in a either similar or a different direction, and there's still a good group of people there um, doing some work. And I decided um, to start looking around and, and had worked with uh, Bill Link and Versant Ventures in the past, mm-hmm. Um, and it, he had reached out to me um, as well. And, you know, we talked about some opportunities that Versant was working on. Um, and I looked at a number of, of opportunities and, I, and I, I, I truly was caught by uh, the potential of Oyster Point immediately. And, you know, from, from my past, I had been involved in developing drugs in the AMD and, and diabetic uh, macular edema space. And, you know, these are long, very expensive trials. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, by the time you're done with a phase one through three development program, it's a, it's a pretty big chunk of your career. So to go into um, another area of ophthalmology where I can leverage my ophthalmology experience, um, but be in, a, in an area where the development pathway is certainly not as long as a chronic disease like age-related macular degeneration was very interesting to me. Uh, the technology was incredibly interesting to me, but I think the the most important point um, uh, that I've learned to value more than just about anything uh, in my career is the people that you work with and the relationships that you built. And so be, getting involved with uh, folks at Versant, uh, Ali Babahani at NEA, uh, Michael Ackerman and Mark Murray from Oculeve were involved in this project. And so you know, that group of folks um, certainly, uh, I would say, sealed the deal for drawing me to getting involved in a project like this. Oh, that is a great group. It's, it's a great point about the, the, the ocular surface. And we hear ophthalmologists at OIS talk about dry eye now versus, say, 10 years ago when very little was understood. It was, a, it was something they, they really couldn't treat very effectively. They almost didn't want to see patients come in with it. It was sort of a, a stepchild of sorts. 
Was it the same in, in pharma? Did you, you know, was, was back of the eye the place to be and ocular surface was, was more of a, um, uh, I guess, a lower profile spot? And, and has that since changed? It sounds like it has. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can tell you that um, there are a lot of similarities that I see uh, between developing drugs for the retina and drugs for dry eye. When I started out in, in developing drugs for retinal disease, um, there really wasn't anything from a pharmaceutical perspective available whatsoever. And when we started out um, at Genera developing a drug, which is called Squalamine, uh, which is, a, is now under development with uh, another company uh, for topical delivery, you know, we were delivering this drug um, intravenously. And so the thought process back then was very similar to developing drugs for oncology. And in fact, uh, at that company, we were developing the same drug for prostate cancer and, and a few other uh, cancer indications. And so that was a radical new concept that we would treat an eye disease by delivering an intravenous medication. But I can remember how um, crazy a thought it was to ever think that we would be injecting drugs into the eye. I mean, just was not even on the radar screen. And so once uh, the folks at iTech and Macogen came along and then subsequently um, the whole Lucentis Avastin story began to materialize, delivering drugs uh, into the back of the eye became much more popular. Um, now we started to have pharmaceutical approaches um, to treating the disease. And I, I see that the, the same things are happening on the ocular surface disease front. Not only are we looking at you know, delivering medication to the eye and eye drop form, which is which has been pretty common for uh, a number of years. But you see now, you know, really great um, innovation on the device side, where you have um, things like True Tier that are out there on the market now. Um, you have devices such as the LipaFlow device uh, that's now with J and J. And I think there's going to be additional pharmaceutical innova innovation, you know, in treating ocular surface diseases, but not necessarily going right after the ocular surface itself. And so, um, you know, I, I look forward to novel ways of thinking about approaching the disease. And if you look at retina today, boy, you see intraocular injections, you see injections around the outside of the eye, you see gene therapy approaches. I mean, those were just unheard of uh, even a decade ago. I'd like to take a quick break from this conversation to give you a verbal save the date. We've got three OISs planned for 2018. The first will be on April 12th. It's happening a little earlier this year in Washington, D.C. That, of course, is OIS at ASCRS. And uh, again, that is April 12th in Washington, D.C., also coming a little early is our uh, OIS at ASRS event, and that is going to be on July 20th in Vancouver, which should be really great. I've never been to Vancouver. Finally, uh, OIS at AAO is happening on October 25th. We're back in Chicago, which is a, a great city. It's a, a place I always enjoy visiting. So three, uh, three great cities to uh, hold our OISs in. Again, April 12th in D.C. is OIS at ASCRS. July 20th in Vancouver is OIS at ASRS, and October 25th in Chicago is OIS at AAO. Now let's get back into this conversation with Jeff now. 
Well, let's talk a bit about Oyster Point itself. I know you, you want to play some of your cards uh, close to the, the vest, but uh, what can you tell us about uh, about Oyster Point's approach? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> Oyster Point's approach, um, from what I can share, is that uh, we are very interested in treating uh, ocular surface disease, uh, which obviously in- includes dry eye disease. Uh, we're looking at at attacking the problem from a novel approach and uh, a novel pathway. Um, I think in both cases, areas where folks have not, not tried to attack the disease from a pharmaceutical perspective. And what we're really looking to do is, is to be able to deliver uh, a product that alleviates both uh, patient discomfort, um, but also provides a product which will allow for patient compliance um, in taking the product. And there's a a number of different aspects that we can list that go along with patient compliance, such as, you know, ease of utilization of the drug, comfort. There's the whole um, monetary aspect of it, both from the patient and the physician perspective on the back end that I think is important from a utilization uh, perspective. And so we really are trying to develop a product where we hit on all of those aspects to, to bring to the table um, a therapeutic that's, that's going to deliver a lot of benefit um, and, and really uh, bring to the table something that I think patients are wanting at this point in time. And you raised $22 million from uh, NEA and, and Versant. Uh, how far do you think that'll uh, take the company? Yeah, so um, as most uh, companies go, um, you know, you, you can raise money in, in a, a lot of different ways. And uh, uh, I've been out there on the road show before in my past where we're uh, hitting 40 and 50 uh, different companies looking for money at a time. And, you know, this one was great um, and that we had great partners right out of the gate with Versant and NEA. Um, they were willing to uh, fund us uh, in a very meaningful manner to allow us to move forward into development. So this will allow this, this uh, capital will allow us to really move through um, phase two, give us a nice runway um, to move into phase three. Uh, and we'll see what happens after that. So um, there's obviously a, a number of different ways the company can go uh, once we have that phase two data. Interesting. And, and what is the, the origin of your approach? I mean, you've got Michael as chairman, you've got Mark Murray as uh, uh, CFO. Um, is is there a connection to uh, Oculive or is this uh, just a kind of a happy coincidence? I mean, obviously you're focusing in the same space, but is there a techno- technological connection? I wouldn't put it into the um, category of a happy coincidence. Um, uh, you, can put two and, you can put two and two together there. You know, there's, there's certainly... Um, uh, some reasons why those folks are involved in the company. And sure. I think, uh, you know, as we start to talk more about the clinical data, uh, talk about the pharmacology and exactly what the drugs are doing, I think it'll be more evident. Um, but obviously there's, there's a reason why those folks are involved, um, not only because they're great, great guys and, you know, really, uh, you know, Michael being a great innovator in this uh, space, even at his young age, um, I think that's, that that's um, some big kudos to him for then being involved with uh, something like Oyster Point. So you know, more will more will be to come. Uh, but obviously, they're they're here for a reason. Sure. And final question this is more of a question about you. I mean, this is your first stint as as CEO. 
I wonder, you know, what you did to sort of prepare yourself for this, or if you're I'm sure you've been fo- following others, watching others through your career. Uh, do you model yourself after someone? Have you been reading a good book lately? What is uh, how do you prepare yourself for this uh, for this role? Yeah, no, those are those are excellent questions, and I I don't think that there's um, there's a right model uh, necessarily for everyone. But here's here's what I'll tell you is is what I uh, think is going to help me find success in this position, which is uh, a number one is just surrounding yourself with good people. So very early on in my career, um, even before I was I was really working, but in school, I, I got some great advice, which is, look, f- surround yourself with great people, let them do their, their job and what they're good at. You focus on, on your forte and just be a, a sponge and sort of soak it in and, and learn as much as you possibly can. And as a, as a CEO, that, that's kind of where I am at the moment. You know, I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be surrounded by a really great group of people uh, we have an extended group of uh, folks, you know, involved with the company, from a scientific advisory board perspective, from a consultant perspective, and so you know, we've really what I what I think is, uh, is is great about Oyster Point is so far, even at this early phase, we've really built a great team uh, of people. Uh, so I'm not going to take the goal this product over the goal line all by myself. So having this great group of people involved you know, I think is going to help me, um, find success. And I think the other piece is, you know, when you, when you look at a new opportunity, especially as a, as a new CEO, um, you know, if you use an analogy in sports, you certainly don't want to have your first time, uh, as a uh, head coach of a football team, uh, with a, a football team that had a, uh, Oh, and everything record last year. Mm -hmm. So you want to come in, knowing that um, you've got a, a good possibility to really uh, do something good, um, not only for patients, uh, but for the ophthalmology community in general. You want to know that your product uh, has legs um, and that it, it really is a, a product that's going to move forward because certainly what you don't want to do is um, – is have your first foray uh, right out of the gate, not be successful. And so I think, having a great product, uh, having a great path forward and having all these great people around me, um, certainly is setting me up for as much success, uh, as I'm going to see. That's a great point. It's great advice. And, uh, we look forward to tracking all of that success, uh, as you move forward. Thanks for taking some time today and, uh, telling us about Oyster Point. Yeah. Thank you very much, Tom. Well, that is a wrap. Thanks, Jeff. Now of Oyster Point for joining us on the OIS podcast. Really great to uh, get the story behind that startup. And I'm sure you're going to be producing many great stories going forward. We look forward to tracking those successes. Thank you, OIS podcast listeners, for joining us on the podcast. Again, I hope you had a fantastic holiday season and you're looking forward to a prosperous 2018. We would like to be part of that success story. So if you could do a few things to help us prosper, You could give us a ranking on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to this podcast. You could, of course, just tell your uh, your friends. I'm sure it was a I'm sure the OIS podcast was talked about much at the holiday table. But uh, continue continue to talk us up if folks are interested in innovation and ophthalmology. They should be listening to this program. Finally, shoot me an email. This is uh, the time of the year where we'll all be doing some traveling. We've got some time to kill at airports. Take a few minutes. 
send me an email, tom at healthag.com. That is the word health, followed by the letters egy.com. Let me know what we should be talking about. Let me know what is concerning you. What are your challenges for 2018? What are your hopes and dreams? I would, would love this podcast really to speak directly to you. So you'd help me out by sharing those thoughts directly. Again, Tom at healthagy.com. Healthagy is the great company that produces the OIS podcast and the OIS events. So uh, please do reach out. If you just want to say hello, say hello. And I'll make sure I reply and uh, would love to get a conversation going. Well, that once again is a wrap again. Thanks, Jeff. Now, thanks, OIS podcast listeners. We hope to see you at one of our OISs coming up in 2018. Don't worry, I will uh, prompt you about uh, the dates again in the future. And of course, look forward to talking to you next week. Another great tale of innovation on the OIS podcast. <laughs>